Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. I ended last week with this verse. After going through Peter talking about what Christ has done for us. And then he talked about the prophets who prophesied the work that Christ would do. And so we ended with one of those prophecies. And now this week, we're going to continue and pick up right from there and go into the question of who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus that Peter is talking about that did all of these things? that set us free? Who is this Jesus that the prophets prophesied? Who is this Jesus that brought about something so glorious that the angels had a desire to seek it out, to understand it, to know what was being done? Who is this Jesus? And so this time of year, we take some time to remember Jesus, to remember his coming down into our world, our broken and messed up world. So we're going to look at this Jesus that so radically transformed Peter's life. The Peter we looked at who started out as a man who could fall on his face like none other. A man who could mess up like the best of them. A man who made himself out to be a great fool at times yet turned him around into a man so humble and so powerful to proclaim a message so transformative. Who is this Jesus? So we're going to start out in John three sixteen through 18 to get a reminder of what God has done for us and who this Jesus is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of of the only begotten Son. In the spring and Easter time, we remember the death and resurrection of our Savior. But right now, we're remembering that that death and resurrection could have never happened. That life that comes to whoever believes in Him would not have been possible without. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world without the sending. The work of Jesus could have never happened if he didn't come down to us, come down to die. Come down to a world that he was not bringing condemnation to, but a world that was already condemned. A world that had rejected God a world that was against him, a world that was enemies to him. Peter 
later in his first epistle, in 1 Peter 3.18, puts it this way. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. None of us are righteous. None of us deserve Jesus. But he was so humble and obedient and gracious to us to come down, to listen to the will of the Father, to go to the cross for us, to rise from the dead. So let's look at this coming, this coming of this Jesus, this coming of this God who loves us. In Philippians 2, 6, and 8, we start to get an even weightier picture of Jesus' coming. As it says, who, though he was in the form of God, though he was God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. We can understand a lot of aspects of the love that would drive him to the cross. The love for someone else that's so strong that you're willing to give up everything so that they can have life. Though we truly will never grasp the depth of that, that love, we can at least relate to it to a degree. We can understand the idea of loving someone that much. But it's the humility. It's the, though he was in the form of God, though he was God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form. Three times Paul paints a picture of the lowering of himself as a servant, being in the likeness of man, found in human form. Even before that, he talks about the emptying of himself. Though he was God himself, though he deserved all glory, though he deserved to never know death, to never know pain, to never know suffering, He chose to come down, to humble himself to an infinite degree that we can never grasp or understand. That an infinite, all-powerful being would come down in the likeness of this mess, the likeness of us who are corrupted, who are destroying, who have taken his perfect creation and twisted it into something that is so wrong and so far from the perfect good that God has, that good God 
would set aside his right as God, everything he deserved as God, and come down as a human That he would come down not as a glorious, honor-deserving God, but as a simple baby who didn't even have a room in the inn to be born in. I was born out in a barn? You will never grasp that humility. And that's what Paul's getting at here in Philippians. He's trying to paint a picture for us about how big our God is that he would come down to us who are infinitely smaller than him. And he would come down, not just to us, but he'd come down in the likeness of one of us to represent us, to live the life we could not live. There is no salvation, there's no saving from sin without the humility of Christ to come down. Romans 8, 1 through 4 wraps together the picture of the few things we just looked at. Bring it together in just a few verses. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are saved from our sins by him. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. We were enslaved to sin, we are now slaves to righteousness. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. We could not keep God's perfect law, so he came down to us. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Christ came down in the likeness of sinful flesh. A God who knows no sin came down in the likeness of sinful flesh, like one of us, though he knew no sin, and though he lived a perfect life, he humbled himself by becoming a, in the likeness of a sinful human, a broken being, to identify, us in, identify with us in our sins, to die for our sins, that we may be covered by his blood. I want to point out one thing, that it ends with the line, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. To continue that theme that I painted last time of the similarities between Paul's presenting the gospel and Peter's presenting the gospel. In that verse I read from 1 Peter, he ended with being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. These men are preaching the same thing. The Bible is in agreement. 
the gospel is the gospel. We don't have to question it. And I just love how they overlap and interact. But what's the picture I'm trying to paint? Before we go into the actual Christmas story itself, I'm just trying to paint a picture of the humility of God. I'm trying to prepare prepare us to think about Christ. When we think about this baby in a manger, think about who that is, how big he is, how perfect he is, how much he deserves all glory and honor, how much he deserves to be seated in the heavens, how much he deserves all the earth to fall down at his feet, how much he deserves everything, everything good to be given to him. Yet he's in a feeding trough for animals as a baby in what can only be a very smelly barn. Surrounded mostly by animals. There's there's nothing more he could do to humble himself, to show himself as a servant. He could have come down in a palace. It would have still been an infinite humbling, but to drive a point the cross to drive the point across. He came down as low as he could come to show us what he was doing, to show us a better way both of living and where true life is found. Amen. That is Jesus. That is Jesus in the manger. That is Jesus why we are here today to celebrate him at Christmas, to remember his birth, the birth that would lead to the cross, the birth that would lead to life being brought back to us, to being open to us again. That is this baby. That is this child. That is why we're here today. That is Christmas. Do not let anyone stop us from celebrating that, from proclaiming that, from sharing that with others. We need to Remember this child. Remember this Christmas. Remember this celebration of the humbling of God that would bring new life to us. With that in mind, with the glory of God and the humbling of himself in mind, Let's look at Luke 2, verses 1 through 21. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, 
The time came for her to give birth, and she came birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard, as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. That is Christmas. That is our hope. That humble child is the reason that we can be here today. It's the reason that we can celebrate the new life that we've been given. The reason that we can have this fellowship. It's all because God, our perfect God, decided we were worth his time to give up everything he deserved, to lay it aside and come as a baby in a manger with no room for him. Jesus is the hope for this world. There is no other hope. There is no other path to peace in life. There is no other option in this life. There is only this child in a manger who would give life to all mankind. 
And I'm so honored to get this time, to get this season, to get this day, to celebrate that, to celebrate that child. So let's remember Jesus. Dear Lord God, Holy Lord, God, we cannot fathom the depths of your love for us, but we can fathom even less the humility that you had, the humility that Jesus had to come down as a child. to come down as one of us, to set aside everything he deserved, every honor, every praise. Lord, you've truly given us an example of what love really is, what love really means, what humility is and what it really means. Lord God, help us to be humble to you, to look at the example of your love in Christ, your humility in Christ, and give back to you humbly and lovingly. Give back to our Savior to seek to share his name, with others, share the work he did with others. Lord God, help us this day to remember you, to remember your son, to remember why we gather week after week, to remember why we have this family, this body. And it was the sending of your son. So help us remember that and give glory and praise to you. Lord God, we give everything over to you in the name of your holy, your righteous, your perfect son. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.